I do like that song. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Influential You podcast. I'm Josh D'Amigo, lead faculty for Influential You and your co-host for this weekly podcast. And I'm joined, well, I would be joined by my co-host, John Patterson, because he is back. But unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties, so he's watching right now. So if I look nervous, I am. He's the co-founder and CEO of our company, and he just got back from France. And John, I'm so glad you're here. At Influential You, we teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence. Since 2009, we have helped thousands of business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs become more influential, more rewarded, and more you. Today, as you can see, we welcome Tyran Jackson to the Influential You podcast. Tyran is the living embodiment of inspiration. He became an entrepreneur because of difficult and challenging circumstances that you'll hear about today. And through all of this, he found his strength and resiliency. He's a motivational speaker, real estate investor, entrepreneur, and engineer, and a really good friend. Very reliable and somebody that I, I have to let you know, you have to check him out as soon as you get the link to his website. Taran's purpose is inspiring others through his personal experiences, and he helps his clients and anyone who hears his voice to manage and overcome their own personal crises through his company, Reborn Resilient. And you can find more about him at rebornresilient.com and pick up his brand new book that just came out, Choosing Resilience, which happens to be the name of our podcast today. He is a champion and consultant to small businesses and franchises looking to add structure and develop strategies on how they want to turn their visions into tangible products and has a background in engineering and was focused on product development, testing, and program management in the fields of aerospace, oil and gas, and energy. Tyran holds his Bachelor's of Science in Mechanical Engineering from Tennessee State University, has his MBA from the University of Indianapolis School of Business, and a master's in systems engineering from Georgia Institute of Technology, which means I probably won't know much about what he's talking about. But he did complete the Influential You Fundamentals of Transaction program, the Priority and Practice program, which Tyran, I'm in right now, and I am probably complaining more than anybody else in the program. And he's currently a part of our membership Thrive program, which we'll talk about later. Ty Ran, I just call him Ty, lives in Woodstock, Georgia with his wife, Kay, his sons, Cameron and Jalen, and I'm so excited that he's finally here. Please welcome Tyran Jackson to the Influential You podcast. Hi, Tyran. Uh-oh, you're muted. Pardon we got to unmute you. <laughs> Go ahead. Hi. All right. Hey, Josh. How's it going? I'm glad to be here today, so thank you oh, for being well, I have been promoting this for three weeks, and, and you were supposed to be next week, and the next week, and next week, so people are sitting here waiting to hear your story. But as you know, on our podcast, we, we love to start with just talking a little bit about who you are in your own words. Can you tell our, our listeners or people that aren't familiar with you sort of how you look at your uh, kind of career offer or your, your activity in, in the marketplace? Well, I'll say this. I am someone who has truly been transformed by life and the circumstances that were thrown my way. I started out as a very... Um, as an as a engineer, as an as a intellect, as someone who was very uh, focused on making sure that I was good at my job and that I knew all the details on how everything that I touched worked. And with that mindset, however, a different application is driven me to a different path. And I'll talk about 
what happened to cause me to go to a different path. But now I, I'm someone who really gives us all to help those who are going through some type of trauma, tragedy, or transition in life and help them figure out how to make a transformation similar to what I did in order to become triumphant again. I know it's a lot of alliteration, a lot of tease, but yeah, that's really what I, I see myself doing in my place in the world. So I, I help those who are really going through a difficult time and situation to be able to get perspective and get a roadmap or plan on how they're going to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really inspiring book and, and we're going to start really a, a little different this time because I think with Ty, Ty's story, what you really need to hear is kind of the backstory first, kind of a little bit of experience because it leads into why he even became <clears throat> an entrepreneur because from what I read and what I know about you, you were pretty happy. You were living a pretty great life until you took a trip. Um, why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of the story to set up um, kind of how you found out about Influential You and why you thought you should study with us. So let me take you guys back. Actually, I want to go back a little bit longer than normal. If I go back about five or six years ago, uh, at that point in time, my, my wife at the time, Malika and I, we were doing pretty well, I think, in our careers. Uh, I was working as an engineering manager for a company that, that did provided gas turbines for numerous applications. I was a, 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 I don't want to say I was a nerd or a geek, but I understood thermodynamics very well. My background was really in mechanical engineering, and I managed uh, a team that was responsible for providing gas turbine engines for different applications all over the world. So I felt like I was doing pretty good in my career and what I was doing with the company that I was with at that time. Prior to uh, the company that I was with, I'd worked with GE for a period of time, for Rolls-Royce, all of these increasing roles in my technical capability as well as my managerial roles. So I thought I was doing pretty good. My former wife, Malika, she was actually going through uh, different transitions throughout her career. She had started out as a school teacher and then went from there and realized she couldn't do that permanently and wanted to get into the business side. So she went and got an MBA and got into the uh, accounting space and then realized she did like teaching kids, just not younger kids, but kids that were going into college. So she got into the higher admin, admin administrative area and in doing so, that led to her going into actually HR. She went from helping prepare college students uh, to get their first job to actually working with companies to get those college students into the door. And as she was moving through her career, she had just been promoted as a director uh, for a large Fortune 500 company of part of their HR organization. And so at that point in time, we thought that we were you know, doing pretty well, doing pretty successful for where we are at that stage in life. And we had our son, Cameron, one child at the time and you know thought that okay things were good and then my, from my perspective uh i just focused on being a great provider as a husband a great father and making sure that you know all of our needs were taken care of being great from a, a parenting standpoint communication standpoint but life was pretty uh typical i would say uh, we both had our nine to fives did that on a regular basis and that was what we were doing and as i fast forward to about four years ago, uh, Malika and I, we were starting to celebrate a, a milestone occasion. We were getting ready to prepare for what was gonna be our 15th wedding anniversary. And in doing so about four months before, we decided to book a trip where we were gonna get away from the normal routine with the family and the normal jobs, get away for about five days and go to the Bahamas and be able to just have some time to connect. Because leading up to that point, I'd been working on some major projects and I'd been 
going you know out of the country and, and away from home quite a bit and when i was back at home she was gone so we were we had a lot that was going on but it was due to where we were in our careers and some of the responsibilities that we had so we were truly looking forward to this moment to be able to just have that couple of days to be able to enjoy ourselves when that moment came the first two days that we were actually in the bahamas together we had a great time wonderful time together and uh, had some fruity drinks, some time at the beach, time at the pool, got to see some iguanas, all these great things. On the third day that we were there, we thought we would actually go on a boating excursion to get away from the resort and actually tour more of the island. And, you know, sometimes life hits us with something unexpected, unplanned, unforeseen. And we have to move forward from that. Uh, there's a quote that I like to use when I go into this, and it's, it's, it's not the adversity that we face. It's our reaction to adversity that defines our life story. Well, as I was getting on that boat that day, I didn't realize my life story was going to have to change completely. We got on this boat to start an excursion at 9 a.m. in the morning. And at 9.05, I found myself waking up after being unconscious on the surface of a burning boat. Literally, my right leg was on fire. That's what got me from waking up from my state of unconsciousness. Five minutes to the ride, this boat exploded. Now, I can remember actually sitting on that boat with my right arm around Malika, having small conversations and enjoying how beautiful the day and how we were talking about how this was going to be another great adventure on top of our you know, phenomenal vacation thus far. And it happened to be memorable, but not in the way that I thought. As I was waking up from being knocked unconscious on the surface of that boat, I saw a second boat that started around the same time we did. And passengers on that boat were telling me to get off the boat, get off the boat. Well, I couldn't stand up. I couldn't push myself up. The only thing I could do was use my right arm, reach my fingertips in the ridges on the surface of that boat to drag myself away from those flames, trying to get closer to the edge of that boat before I passed out again. Now, there were a number of different stages in this process and things that happened, but just to give everyone a little bit of more detail, as I came to, I was actually being put on a stretcher where I was being wheeled into a clinic. And as I was being wheeled into this clinic, Malika was there. She had been thrown off the boat as a result of the explosion. As I'm being wheeled in, all I could hear was her pain, her agony, her moans. And I'm thinking to myself, how is my wife? How is she doing? Now, at this point in time, I am realized that my left foot is completely severed. I see my ankle bone. I see blood all over the place. And I can't move. I'm, I'm at a place where I am physically broken. And the only thing I can think about is my wife. And how was she? And, and as I was being wheeled in that clinic and there was one doctor to address three people who were brutally, horribly injured from that accident. The doctor told me that they were sending me and one other patient to the good hospital because they couldn't treat us there. And I kept asking, well, what about my wife? And he says she's coming later. So I'm laying there as they're preparing me to put me on an air ambulance and fly me to the good hospital thinking that, okay, well, I'm somewhat relieved because Malika's coming later and they didn't deem her injuries bad enough to where she had to get emergency care right now. 
So, you know, I'm optimistic because however bad it is for me, I just wanted to that for her to be okay. Yeah. And as I get to that hospital, they do the initial assessment of how I'm doing and they say you got to go to emergency surgery. I'm still asking them, well, what about my wife? Is she on her way? And nobody answers me. And the next thing I know, I'm put into surgery where they try to reattach my left foot to my leg. I wake up from there a couple hours later, and I'm thinking the first thought to my mind is, okay, I don't know what time it is, but Malika should be here by now. So where is my wife? Two doctors come into my room, and I ask them that question. And they look at each other puzzled. And they decide to walk out the room. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I was told that she was coming. They should be aware that she was coming, that this shouldn't be too difficult of a question for them to answer for me. But when they happened to come back in, they told me, Mr. Jackson, great to inform you, but your wife didn't make it. Now, I am a, I am a optimist. I am a positive person by nature. So I just tried to think to myself, she didn't make it. There must have been a problem with the plane or something with the transportation. That's what I'm trying to tell myself. And I'm telling these doctors that, that, oh, she's on her way. She just hasn't made it yet. But then they really break the news to me that my wife died at that clinic. And that they didn't want to tell me that before I went to the hospital, before I was going to have to go into surgery. So here I am thinking at that point in time, if you go back you know, eight hours, I'm having the time of my life. Life is great, life is wonderful. And now all of a sudden, I find myself in a horrible accident. I find out that my wife is no longer here. And then the next thing I had to do was call our son who was 12 years old, Cameron at the time, and tell him over the phone because he was staying with his aunt and uncle that your mom's not coming back home. I have to hear him on the other end. I was, I know we talk about being in a true state of despair. I was in a state of despair. I was broken from a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual perspective. And I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how I was ever going to bounce back from that. And going from that place, and there were a number of things that had to happen for me to even be able to be here today. I'll just say that. But there was one point where after a couple of days, I was flown from the Bahamas to a trauma unit in Florida. And they basically said that if we don't take your left leg, you won't live another day. Because what happened was they tried to reattach my foot and I had infection going through my body. I recall being in the bed in the Bahamas with the EKG monitor over my head and seeing all of my vitals go from green to yellow to red in about a four hours span. And to lay there and to be praying and to be thinking, okay, my wife is already gone. I've had to break my son's heart and tell him your mom's not gonna, she's not alive anymore. And here I am, I'm about to die too. To be at that place is, is, is a very difficult place to be. Yeah. And so being able to look past that, look beyond that was a challenge. But after a couple of days, there was a moment in time where it, it was clear to me that I was being left here for a reason and that I had to be resilient. And even though I was dealing with all of these, these, these 
pieces of being broken that I still had a future. I still had a life and I had to have a positive approach towards how I was going to deal with everything to come. And so, and I know this is a, a I'm, I'm getting to the answer to your question, Josh, to what you brought up earlier. I, I found myself in a state as I started to have to go through this long physical recovery and this emotional recovery of having to figure out who am I and what am I going to do and what is my place in this world? And as I was going through this deep self-evaluation and understanding of who I am on levels beyond what I ever done before and imagined, one of the things that was brought to me was uh, actually there, I had a lot of love and a lot of people and a lot of friends pouring in from all over the world. But one of the people who I was closest with was Thomas Stovall, who was my roommate back in college at Tennessee State. Mm. And he and I, we talked a lot about what are you going to do moving forward and how are you going to move forward? And he introduced me to a means of being able to you know, understand really where you are and how you are in your conditions of life. And mm. that led to me starting to dig deeper into, you know, how am I going to move forward? And that's when Influential You became something that I started to learn and understand more about. So, so that's sort of how it started. It was probably about nine months after the accident. And as I was starting to wow. rebuild emotionally and mentally, starting to think about what the future was going to be like, this is where that came about. Yeah. Wow. And, um, for those of you watching and listening, and and if that didn't grip you enough, you can probably see me starting to cry. And I know the story because I've read the book. You have to get his book um, to hear his story because it, the version you just heard, it, it, it there's so much detail in the highs and lows and the excitement and the help and the family and, and how much your sister had to like, you know, fight for you and advocate yeah. for you and how much you really, I mean, you're in another country you know, you're being flown around and it's just, it's an incredible story of resilience. It's an incredible story of help. Um, and it's an incredible story of how you became you, um, at least the you that I met. And, and I, I just want to encourage everybody, if we have uh, that website again, um, Tyrone, what is the website one more time? Rebornresilient.com. So rebornresilient.com and, and you can pick up your copy of this, um, uh, not to lighten the mood, but to say something, uh, Ty's speaking at my Bible study on Friday. And one of the pastors in the group said, well, you know, it's like all Christian books, not this book, but in particular, all Christian books, they start really good. And then they trail off and they're not this one, not this one. It keeps you the whole way. And I, I laughed so hard when he said that, cause I know what he's talking about, but I tell you, I highly recommend this book, um, because, uh, Ty just really pours out his heart and you're going to hear more about kind of his journey and how he became, who he is today. So Ty, moving on from that, you, you come and you, you I, I believe you meet Kirkland Tibbles uh, through meet all Kirkland. that yes. and all the magic that is Kirkland <laughs> Tibbles. And then I believe you and I meet when we had the campus. So it's about, um, it's about time for uh, COVID is I think where we're at. And yep. tell me a little bit about you, you decide to sign up for FOT because you realize I'm going to go into this type of work and I need to think accurately about <laughs> how I'm going to build those transactions. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell me a bit of what you learned while you were in the fundamentals of transaction program. FOT, F FOT was life changing for me. So you've got to understand where I came from. I came from a 
mindset where everything was uh, sort of black and white based on, uh, on analysis and data and information to having to move into a space where I really needed to understand influence. I need to understand people and how to be able to navigate those conversations in order to get closer to compliance. Because I had this, uh, this, this belief that you know, if I wanted to move into this space, and at that point in time, I realized that speaking was something that I never really thought about doing, but it sort of fell in my lap. I, uh, it was about eight months after the accident when I had my first opportunity to speak at, a, at an organization. I uh, wow. spoke for a life insurance company about sharing my story. And I realized that as that went about, that there were others to come. And I, I found myself in a place where, okay, I'm going to have to learn how to put an offer together and how to use that in order to, and, and how to, you know, I don't want to say convince people, but how mm -hmm. to uh, influence people in ways that this will be very inspirational and uplifting and add value to them and their organization. And in doing so, uh, going through FOT was game changing for me because, and I know it's to me, I always think one of the first things that Kirkland ever brings up is, can you draw a transaction? And I'm thinking, all right, I'm thinking to myself, draw a transaction. And I'm thinking somebody, okay, shaking hands once the conversation is done. But once, once it was broken down to me about the, the transaction cycle, and then the narratives associated with each step in that cycle, it started to make more sense. And that was going back to my engineering background. I saw that sort of as the equation in order to be able to move further and further through getting to a point of compliance. So that's one of the things that FOT taught me. Um, yeah. One of the other things that I really want to point out is that the whole state of mind, mm. what state of mind are you in? And there were so many ways where I thought I was kind of ambitious or I thought I was acting as an adult when in actuality, once I really put thought into it, I was more naive than I ever gave myself credit for, or I was truly in despair. So that definitely opened up my perspective on how people transact in the world. Yeah, really good. And, and I'm going to add this. Um, it's, the ethical influence, right? It's a big thing for guys like us to, you know, move someone ethically. And so understanding, you know, those, those levers that you can use that aren't manipulative, right? Because there's a difference between the ethical influence and manipulation as we teach it. And the idea that you're using some sort of unity, reciprocation, commitment and consistency, liking, authority, social proof and scarcity helps you realize that there are at least seven different ways that we can move that are going to allow us to get the outcome we're looking for, especially if it's something that could change a person's life like your story. Um, then you also did the priority and practice program. And uh, as, like I said before, I am complaining the entire time because it's a task <laughs> thing and I'm being told what to do and I'm going on my Marnie minutes, which is what I call them. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you learned in the, the power of inquiry and sort of satisfaction metrics and some of the things that that instilled in you uh, that you maybe hadn't really focused on before and how it helped you um, with your own offer. Well, so Marnie, don't kill me. <laughs> I love Marnie and I dislike Marnie at times in PIP because of the level of rigor that she put us through and just the, the, the level of consistency 
and deliberateness that we have to have as we go through that. That was an awakening for me. As I was going through my personal journey to recover physically and emotionally from what I went through, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was starting as I was going through physical therapy and going through, you know, years of grief counseling and therapy. These were habits, positive habits that were making me get closer and closer to progress towards a, a finished product to some extent that was better than what I started. And as I was going through PIP, I realized that I might have thought I had pretty good habits, but I'm not as consistent as I may want to be. But that awareness and understanding of, of being able to have that consistency, to track that consistency, to be mindful of that is something that I think PIP is great for. And a, a couple of other things that you pointed out that you mentioned that were really jumped out to me as far as PIP. Um, I love uh, the exposure to the power of inquiry. And mm -hmm. I understand that that's something that, you know, is it, it, it makes things so much clearer before actually taking action. The deliberate practice. Uh, I love it and I hate it at the same time, but I understand its value. And so I started that that got repeated over and over again. And so that was was valuable to me. And just the difference between having good intentions and actually making commitments to yourself and to others. That was something that really stood out that was important for me to actually practice in my own uh, actions, behavior and related to my offer in the world. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to reintroduce you real quick for anybody that joined us. We're talking with Tyran Jackson. You can call him Ty if you're his friend, but if you're not, you have to call him Tyran. <laughs> He's got a brand new book out uh, called Choosing Resilience, which we're going to talk about. And uh, for those of you not in the know and you don't know what these acronyms are, PIP <laughs> is Priority in Practice. Also, it can be an entry-level program that people can uh, jump into and, and really have a 12-week boot camp on getting things done. I'm in it right now. And like Ty, I am fighting Marnie the entire way. And the rest of my class is like, don't you work here? Uh, I will also say that the FOT is the Fundamentals of Transaction. It's our entry level, kind of our premier uh, program that we start everyone in the program with. Um, you can start with Thrive, but really Fundamentals of Transaction is where the value is at. Now, I'm going to finish with this. And, and it sounds like you, you moved that along with your business. So we, we generally talk about like what it was like before what you learned, and then how it works for you now. So could you tell me a little bit about what you've incorporated? How's it going? Like, what are you what are you finding now that you're out there practicing these things? And tell me a little bit about your experience and, and what's still giving value and why you would even agree to come on our podcast to talk about <laughs> the program. Yeah, so where is it now? I am I'm a, a keynote speaker, and I do quite a bit of that. And, and going through uh, FOT, and PIP and just being a part of Influential You has one, not only helped me understand the manner of moving the, the clients and customers who I have proposals for, moving them towards that compliance or, or to decision. And so being able to move through transactions faster keeps me from wasting a great deal of time trying to piece things together there. So from that standpoint, FOT has been great. And, and influential you as a whole. Um, as far as, as as some of the other aspects of just being a part of, of this ecology, the ability to have so many people who have practiced these 
these learnings and have given experience on what works, what doesn't work, and help me try to try to architect a structure of my transactions. The study groups that we were doing are great. I felt like there was a lot of benefit in getting feedback from others who are aware and understanding of the of the basic fundamentals of transaction. So I think that that's something of value. And then some of the core principles about not just reading certain things and thinking that you know it, but actually understanding that we read to understand, well, to understand and get to a point where we actually embody knowledge and the structure that we go about the 13 steps uh, for those who may not, the 13 steps are incredible because it actually gives you a process. And as a former engineer, process is important to me. So being able to have things that you can follow to be able to figure out where you're going to pull your levers of influence in, where you're going to actually understand the personality type of the people who you are transacting with. These are things that I was not aware of before. And in having that knowledge, that specialized knowledge, I want to talk about that, the general understanding of concepts and, and what you want to get out of a transaction and then taking it to that next level with that specialized knowledge to really be able to hone in and provide value to others. Uh, I think that that's something that awareness of that specialized knowledge and improving that has been something that has driven me to become better at the things that I'm doing. And so as I was making my transformation as a from an engineer to an inspiration, I feel as though I had to learn a great deal, which I have, but going through this program and, and being a part of this ecology has really allowed me to take things to another level because of my awareness and understanding. Yeah, and I think I think we'll, as we talk about kind of your soapbox moment or more about the book and more about what you're doing now and how these apply ethically and, and you're moving people in a way that they get to live a better life. It's fascinating to me how what you said about the process, right? What I love about our process is that you don't hit enter on a keyboard and a human being automatically does what you need them to do. There's an ethical way of moving them. There's a way of reminding them of the consequence if they do or don't do a thing um, that actually gets them to sort of follow your direction in a way that most people don't operate. They don't really think about what's the aim here. How are we going to get there? And if we're going to move from here to here, one of the things you talked about was the difference between an intention and a commitment and the difference between an invitation and a presentation. And all of those different little key distinctions that really click when you start to use them and embody them and right. start to talk to people, not just like they're a person, but also the way that they like to. If I'm talking with an inventor personality, oh, I know you already know this. Oh, you're so smart. And really given that ego, the, the space, right? Given that help with the producer, the person likes to get things done and including them and making sure they have checklists and things that they can do. Talking with that skeptic, that judge that really, yeah. hey, fact, 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 now give you your space to go figure it out, put it in their past. And then with us performers, just make it fun. Just make just have <laughs> let's have a good time. And don't tell me what to do. Oh, don't tell me what to do. I will fight you to the death. And uh, my mom is our biggest fan, Ty, and she is now learning that boy, telling Josh what to do does not work. So <laughs> you know, before we go there, you're kind of in that performer uh, producer uh, plane where you are fun to work with and you love getting things done. Um, and I just wanted to point that out because uh, for those of you that are listening, knowing that and hearing the story, you hear a lot more. So uh, anything to say briefly about that before we kind of go to your through line and, and really talk about, you know, the book and, and how you're helping people? 
Well, I, I, I just want to say throughout my journey through uh, Influential You, it, it did change my, my personality type and who I thought I was. And let me just say this. We're, we're forever changing, forever growing, and forever growing, getting different understanding of who we really are. I came into Influential You, and when I first heard the, uh, the, the attributes of each personality type, I thought, okay, I'm a producer. I like my checklist. I like having something clearly laid out for me to do. But that was really looking at the way I operated in my former uh, career and in life. And as I started to get deeper into what I'm actually doing and what actually drives me and what actually brings me joy and fulfillment, I realized that there are a lot of performer attributes to me. So I, I like to term myself as a performing leaning producer. Mm -hmm. But I know I can bounce back and forth somewhere between those two. I'm not as much of a producer as I was when I first started FOT. I clearly know that now. And I'm not quite full performer, but I am starting to move myself more towards that, that way. So it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I related to you as a producer. And as I got your information last night at nine o'clock, I was like, oh, he has moved. He is a performer now. No, I'm just kidding. But what, what I love about, about all of this is even in your book, I'm sitting there texting you. Hey, is your wife a, is your wife a judge? Is your, like, it's so fun to kind of hear the dynamic and see it yeah. now through these eyes. So now you focus on helping those that are going through trauma, tragedy, transitions, um, to act, assess where they are and, and kind of have that transformation. I'd love to hear about your work now, what you do, and, and maybe even a little bit more about what, what the book is doing for you, how it's opening up possibilities for you. And if you guys haven't seen this yet, Choosing Resilience is Tyran's new book, and you have to get it. Tyran, what's that website one more time? RebornResilient.com. RebornResilient.com. And I believe Michael T. He can put that up on the screen if you need it uh, written out as well. But Ty, tell me a little bit about your offer now and, and maybe like a, a soapbox kind of what do people need to know um, when it comes to kind of your expertise and specialized knowledge that would maybe make a difference for them? So there are two real areas where I think I help people out who are who may be in in denial of where they are or maybe in a state of despair. For those who are really going through a place of grief, and really I like to call it sudden grief, where they life was fine and then all of a sudden something changed and they don't know how to react or respond. I work with those people to understand where they are and to try to give them a roadmap on certain pitfalls to avoid and certain steps that you can take in order to better get through that grief to a point of acceptance. Once you get to a point of acceptance, you're not looking so much at the past and what happened, but you start thinking with the mindset of being able to look forward. And how am I gonna best improve what this forward vision looks like? So for people who are, are, are in that state of despair, I help them create, uh, basically regain control of their lives. Because you find yourself when you are experiencing this loss. Look, there are people who are stuck in grief for years, for decades, and they never quite get out of it. And I've been able to, and, and I can point to specific moments through my own journey where decisions were made that not all of them were great, but also that provided lessons for me to learn, which I can share. Some of them 
there were mistakes that I can point to and say, don't do this if it comes your way, as well as saying, okay, these are the things that I truly did that really helped me. You know, therapy was great for me. Being able to have a community of people who truly wanted to support me and having to understand the difference between, I have a portion of my talk where I, I talk about uh, your family, friends, and followers. And some of these people definitely mean good for you. Some of them have ulterior motives. Having to be able to filter through and understand who's providing me the good energy I need in order to keep me moving forward and who's having that negative energy that might be pulling me back was something critical for me to have to realize if I wanted to keep progress, keep moving forward. And so these are some of the, the, the tangible points I, I outline to people once I get the chance to get to know their situation, their story, and work with them to make sure that they're taking the right steps in order to get past that grief and get to a point where they're actually in control of what's happening in their lives again. So that's what I do from a coaching perspective, as well as on top of that, I, I do uh, my, my speaking. And so I'll have numerous points where I talk about resilience and overcoming obstacles to different companies and organizations and use my story as the backdrop for that. And, and the other key point that I have gotten more uh, involved in speaking about is mental health. And one of the the, the vulnerabilities that I truly get into is I was in a state of, like I said, true despair. As I was coming through the physical recovery, I had to also deal with the mental issues of I, I had anxiety, PTSD, depression, survivor's remorse. All of these things are, 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 are things that weighed on me and created so much self-doubt and concern as to what my future looked like. And oh, by the way, I had to realize that I couldn't just get up and walk where I wanted to or move how I wanted to, literally. I, I, the, the fact of looking in the mirror and seeing part of my left leg missing yeah. was a harsh realization that I'm not the person that I once was and I'll never be. But being able to not let that pull me down and feeling pity and sorry for myself versus being able to accept that and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn how to walk again with this prosthetic. I'm going to learn how to jog again. I'm going to start running 5Ks. I'm going to learn how to swim with one leg. These were steps and actions that not only proved that I could do certain things, they brought back confidence and then they helped define who I was going to become. So, you know, these are all pieces of being resilient and finding that resiliency to be able to bounce back and move forward. Uh, there's a quote that I use in my book in Choosing Resilience where I talk about my journey where I say resilience is not, it's not reflecting back on what was, but it's about reshaping what's to come, what your future is. And, and with that, I really like to focus on, okay, what's happened is happened, but how are we going to respond? We, we can't go back and change the past, but what can we do to best prepare our future self, our future life and be forward thinking. And so, that's, you know, that's really a major part of what choosing resilience is about. There's a defined moment where I had a realization that I had to choose to be resilient if I was going to have a life that would lead to joy, happiness, and fulfillment. And so from that moment on, having the right motivation, the right attitude, the right purpose, and understanding what my purpose was helped guide me and push me to being able to use that resilience to get me to places I never would have imagined 
when I woke up in that hospital after that explosion. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's, it's an amazing story. Um, I know your faith is a big part of it. And I, I know that um, the book, you won't be upset if you get it. You will love this book. I, I promise you it's easy. Like as far as the chapters are broken down from my short attention span, I was like, oh, I can read four chapters real quick. And uh, the, the website again, is is it Reborn Resilient or Reborn Resilience? Will you spell that last word for me? Is it like the book? Or? Re Reborn Resilient with a T. Reborn Resilient, like you saw on the way. Perfect. And you need yep. to get his new book. He's also a fantastic follow on Instagram. I tell you, uh, seeing him play ball, uh, basketball, and all of the things that he does and all the activities. And yeah, it made me feel a little bad just the other day when I was complaining about training for my half marathon and told him that I, after I'm done with it, I'm going to have to play ping pong the rest of my life. But he was a good sport. And he was probably in there with me because us Christians, we love our ping pong, man. We love our yep. ping pong. <laughs> so we we'll have to find the table one day, Josh, when I'm out there in California. So. Ooh, get ready. I'm, I'm, I've been talking to some people. We're going to see if we got a league out here. So get ready. Now, okay. um, any any final words before we go? But but thank you so much for all the gifts so far. But any like final soapbox moment that you want to leave us with? I want us to keep in mind that we all have value and a purpose here. We all are doing something to make an impact in the world. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that, that sometimes our stories, our journeys, they are actually gonna make a difference in someone else's life. I've had to go through a transition in my life. And, and, I, and through that transition, I, I, I call myself being reborn from the standpoint that I'm not the same person that I was four years ago before that happened. And, and in doing so, I realized that my journey is gonna help people out there who are down, who are depressed, who need to really see something to give them hope and inspiration that they can move beyond where they are. But I'm no different than anyone else. We all should be looking at life from that perspective. And the things that we're doing, they're God's gifts to us. And that is, it's our responsibility to honor those gifts and be able to give them to those who need. So I'm, I'm sorry. I'm done crying today. Thank goodness so we can get the other camera to work because I don't know if I can do the e-coaching we're about to do on the Thrive program. So, Ty, thank you so much for being with us. If you'd like to support Ty, please go to his website, RebornResilientWithAT.com yes. and uh, get his new book, Choosing Resilience. See him on tour when he's booking uh, shows and, and talking and, and doing all that. And, and thank you so much for being our guest on the Influencer You podcast today, Pat. No problem, Josh. Thank you guys for having me. John, I hate that I got to, I didn't get a chance to meet with you today, but I know you had a great time in France. So catch <laughs> you next time. Thank you so much, Ty. We're going to kick you off so that I can read all the boring stuff now. And if you'd like to know more about us, you can find out more about Influential You by going to influentialu.global and explore our courses, consulting, and conferences. We offer a four-year curriculum for those seeking an advanced experience. However, if you're new to Influential You, we highly recommend you start with Thrive. It's our self-guided training. Thrive is a self-guided program that lets you learn at your own pace. Thrive members enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions and an ever-expanding library of exclusive video lessons with our faculty, thought leaders like you just saw, and industry experts. You'll get proven proprietary tools to accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes chat. This chat access is an access to faculty, plus it discounts to our transformative 
conferences. So if you're interested in conferences, you can also get a discount by joining us there. You can sign up today and use the promo code 20OFF, 20OFF, for a 20% discount on the monthly subscription. Once again, that coupon code is 20OFF. Next week, I'm excited because I get to bring in my buddy, Matthew Hegem. Matthew is the founder of 10K Creators LLC, where he helps artists thrive as a business strategist, entrepreneurial coach, and money mentor for performing artists, painters, playwrights, makers, and more. Oh, I wish I had him during my music career. We'll be here, and we invite you to hear his story. Thank you so much for joining us today. Each week, we stream live at 2 p.m. Pacific on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, so you can easily share it with others. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place that you get your podcasts. Check out our show notes for links to connect with our guests, plus links to websites, books, or special downloads we talked about on today's episode. This podcast is made possible by the Influential You staff, faculty, and members all around the world. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, with contrib contributions from Michael Teehee, Joey Anderley, Daryl Anderley, and Paul West, John Patterson, Liz Smiley, and especially our guest today, Tyran Jackson. The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC in Ventura, California, and this episode was recorded on September 21st, 2022. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring, entitled Fast Train to Everywhere, and if you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment right now and go to your iTunes or your podcast app and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. We'll see you next week on the Influential You podcast. Thank you.